Hey guys, brand new podcast. It's the Burt Cast Christmas edition. My left arm looks right or bigger than my... I look good though. I look fucking good. By the way, I am very grateful this Christmas for my mobility. Shout out to my buddy, Big Tommy Buns. We will be doing a Two Bears Live New Year's Eve edition starting at 1030 Eastern, 730 West Coast, going on till midnight LA time. Go to ymhstudios.com slash live stream if you want to get your tickets. Uh, I'm trying to get Leanne to come by at midnight and give me a kiss at midnight. I'm seeing if we can get that. We got big things planned. We're doing a table read of our porns that we wrote. We're watching the footage of Tommy falling. We got big and we're drinking. We're probably drinking. And then what? Oh, I got some surprises for Tommy he doesn't know about. And I think he's totally off pills. So we don't have to worry about him overdosing, which we're super excited about. Um, This is, I'm releasing this Christmas Eve. And I thought it only fitting for my wife and I to string you a Christmas carol. What? Yep. So, Christmas Carol. What is a good Christmas Carol? Oh, that's Jingle a fucking bells? no. How about the Twelve Nights of Christmas? No, that lasts for a hundred years. That song is one hundred years long. How about how about oh? Come ye. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Hold on, hold on. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Oh, come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord, wherever you believe in. Oh, come all ye faithful. Come all ye faithful. Come all ye faithful to Bethlehem. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful to Bethlehem. Oh, sing choirs of angels. Sing an exaltation. An exaltation. <laughs> oh, oh, sing come, oh, come. What the fuck are you reading? Oh, come. Oh, come. Do you think when Joseph, do you think back in the day when they have an, when they had an orgasm, he go, oh, come, oh, ye faithful. Oh, this is all that song and, is? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is boring. Yeah, most that of them is are. fucking That's why boring. I'm jingle bells. Hold on, okay, then we'll do jingle bells. Jingle bells, shotgun shells, granny got a gun. You know that no, 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 that's no. not. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's do it really good. Georgia, get your sister. Come here now. Sorry if I just yelled in your ear. Hey, by the way, I have to give a shout out to the Real Dictators podcast. I am fucking obsessed. If you're listening to this, I want let, want to let you know you put out a great podcast. Kind of. Podcasts should come out every fucking week, okay? I've listened to every single episode you've put out. Step up your fucking game, yeah, okay? No, not- yeah, 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 yeah. You put out a podcast. You're on the team now. You're part of the group. Put them out fucking regularly. There's a lot of dictators out there. It is an amazing fucking podcast. If you haven't listened, pace yourself. Don't blow it all out like I did. I went every episode right away and now i'm re-listening by the way but it's yeah, so good i can i can re-listen i just want that i know but i want them come on in where's your sister um, go get her I don't know. 
Come on, Georgia. Get in here. So, girls. Shit. It's a Christmas podcast with us, and I thought we could sing Jingle Bells. All my fans. You don't have to be on camera if you don't want to, but you have to sing. Georgia. We have to read the, the okay. I think they know jingle bells. No, yeah, but I, but I have it up here. Ready? Okay, ready. It, no, hold on. It goes, it's uh, it's Christmas. No. What? No. It's Christmas. Right. There you go. Yeah. Here, Isla, get hang on. Let's see if we can see Georgia. Georgia. We can barely see Georgia. Isla, get back in the back so we can see you. Okay. Well, you just said she it, on camera. I know, but now I want her. It Isla started off. It, <clears throat> It's Christmas. She's what making make believe in that. She's, no, I'm not a good singer. It, you do it, Leanne. It's Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. I was going jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. Bell, 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 <laughs> Sorry, I fucked up. I you fucked up. Jingle, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all bell. the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one horse up and say, hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse up and say, gushing through the snow in a one horse up and say, where is that? All the fields we go, laughing all the way, ha, 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 all the way, making spirits high. Oh, fun it is to ride on a jingle all the night. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. It's Christmas. That's it. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells. No, it's hey, jingle bells. You, you're... Oh, it's, hey, wait, let me freestyle it, okay? okay hey, jingle bells, jingle bells. Jingle all the way, oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. Okay, Jingle. I'm good, I'm good. We're just, like, playing with words in a different Okay, what's another Christmas hey, carol? Hey, How about Jingle Bells Rock, okay? No, I think we're good. Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bell, goodbye. No, there's no S on bells. Jingle, okay. Oh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. We got a great pot you can go to. Okay, good. Love you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you look cute in the hat. I'm I gonna do. start making dinner. Merry it's Christmas, everybody. I hope yeah. you have a, and by the way, happy Hanukkah and, and Kwanzaa and, and uh whatever you're celebrating. Happy holidays. That was from me, from the Chrysler's picking my nose to you. Even the dogs left now. It's just me and you. That's the way it should be. You don't really give a fuck about that, do you? Uh, I have been sober the um, better part of a month, I would say. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna kick uh, kick it to the curb tonight, guys. Just got a beautiful delivery from uh, some from from some whiskey distillers, and I got some great wagyu steaks delivered to me and uh my dad's coming over and i thought i might have a glass of whiskey um with my dad and a cigar we will be drinking pretty hard on the new year's eve date and that's five days away i'm down in weight i'm 12 miles away from my thousand miles for the year 
I'm feeling really great. All my blood work comes out. We will be doing on the new Two Bears, One Cave. Dr. Drew is my guest. I shouldn't have told you that, but we go through all my blood work from my doctor's visit and uh, I'm healthy. Other than a tingling in my left arm, I'm really healthy. (laughs) Um, I'm giving you a little extra in the the early part of this because uh, I want to just do a wrap up. I don't think we're going to have, but we'll have a podcast next week before New Year's Eve, right? Yep. Okay. Next week, we're going to do a New Year's Eve wrap-up. Next week, uh, the guest is Peanut from 311. And this week, our guest is Jamie Kilstein. If you don't know who Jamie Kilstein is, man, he is one of the most, he has been in the past, one of the most divisive characters in comedy. He is still, he's still hilarious. He's still divisive, but he's not the way he was in the past. And we, if you, if you really want a good deep dive. Go listen to his Rogan, his recent Rogan, his recent Burt cast that I did with him. It's all after that. And then go back and listen to old school Jamie. He's a really interesting character and he speaks a lot when I hope this is received the right way by Jamie immediately. But like when you hear a fake apologies from celebrities and they're like, and they're like, I'm, I'm going to try my best to change. I'm going to do a lot of introspection. I'm going to get down to what's going on. Jamie actually did that actually did that. He did that for the better. I, I, and what's interesting when you talk about change is he didn't change. He didn't change into a different person. He's still the same person with the same political views and the same uh, political affiliations and the same, and the same feelings about social justice and, and whatnot. But he took an opportunity to change and what I think is beautiful is not be so judgmental, but still have opinions. And, and I think Jamie would agree earlier when he was, you know, addicted to Twitter and, and, and trending and whatnot, he would be very opinionated about things to get a rise out of the people that were on, he believed were on his team. I really think Jamie is a, a, a fascinating kind of channel marker, if you will, for people in this business who either get shamed or, or, uh, or get caught up in, in a movement or get caught up in politics or get caught up in, in anything. And, uh, and I, and I, I'm all, I support, I support his journey. 100%. I've known Jamie for a while. He's always been a great guy. He's always been a great guy. Even despite all the things, sometimes when he was, he'd get on a podcast and you'd want to throw something at the screen and be like, the fuck is wrong with Jamie? He's always been a great guy. Every time you saw him, he's the exact same guy. He's the exact same guy every time. I remember running into him, him into him in Ireland, and there it was the same Jamie. And he was at the height of his like hardcore social justice movement. He's he's moving right now to Austin. He is. I've reached out. We talk about AEW wrestling. My buddy Cody Rhodes is on that. Jamie has always had a passion for wrestling, and I've reached out to Cody and said, you know, hey man, uh, I got this buddy who's really into wrestling and is a jujitsu uh, dude and Cody lit up. He was like, really? He's like, we're always looking for athletes. Send them my way. Um, he is, I think a black belt in jujitsu or a purple. I, I mean, right now, Jamie is cringing. He's like, bro, bro, bro. I'm purple or green or mauve, whatever. I don't know anything about belts. Um, he is a wrestling fan. He is uh, a great comic and he's got a new special called 25 pets. 25% capacity that he performed over pandemic, I think wrote over pandemic. And like I said, he's moving to Austin. So if you live in Austin, live in Texas and you see a dude, a comic book nerd with cauliflower ears 
and a big smile holding a coffee and a cigarette <laughs> in your city. Say hi to him. Give him some love. Uh, he's a great dude. But more importantly, he's a great podcast guest. We have a great podcast. Uh, without further ado, my buddy, stand-up comedian, hopefully pro wrestler, jujitsu practitioner, Jamie Kilstein. Well, it depends. Like this is Ferguson's first like lost in forever, right? What's up, Bert? You guys talking MMA? Yeah. Fights. <laughs> nice. What are you guys talking about? Are we recording Boston? Yeah. Nice. What are you guys talking about? Tony Ferguson is fighting um, Charles Cowboy Oliveira. Oliveira. Um, what's funny is I didn't know you watch fights. I would only write Halston to Bond about like girly music and vegan shit. And then from out of nowhere, he's like, yo, who you got in the fight? I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> This is oh, awesome. like, you like comedy too? Because I'm really into comedy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> He's got everything, baby. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, dude! It's good well, to what, see what you. kind of what's well, good seeing you? What kind of girly music are you into? Because I'm into really girly music. I, with all the political backlash I've gotten over my career, I think the most vicious text or tweets I got were yesterday when I just posted something like. I was like, we all had a phase in high school where you would die for Dave Matthews, right? And people were like, no. <laughs> like, just oh. like aggressively. I was obsessed with Dave Matthews when I was a kid. Everyone was. And, you know, and That's all these flyers. And we were obsessed with Dane Cook, too. They can suck my dick. Yup. Yup. It's, you know, it's so funny. I was just, I just was going through a big blues travelers phase yesterday. Okay. Today, literally today, because I started listening to Dave Matthews again, and I'm I'm moving out of this mountain town. Uh, this is how girly I got. So I'm driving back from kickboxing manly. And then I start crying because, you know, when like your playlist is done, Spotify will just kind of guess and yeah. just be like, hey, this is similar. That Blues Traveler song fucking Mountains Win Again came on as I'm driving by the mountains for the last time. The song's not even about mountains, but I'm like, it's yeah. God talking to me. And I just start crying. Yeah, Blues Traveler was great. My, I was in a jam band in high school and was convinced we were going to be famous because we opened for a band who opened for Blues Traveler. And I was like, this is it, boys. We fucking, Dude, we did it. I was, I, I literally, I've been going through a jam band phase. I've been going through widespread panic, fish. Yep, yep. I, and and you know, widespread panic. It's interesting. All their all their albums, the ones at least I have, are all mastered a little bit quieter than everything else. So I got to turn it yes. up a little bit. Um, but man, I've been really and, and you know, I had a English teacher who one time said, you know, I can't think, I can't listen to REM and not think about driving through the Dakotas. And I went, re I remember going really, and he was like, yeah, listen to that that album just came out, and I bought it. We were listening to it in this car nonstop. Me and my buddy driving around the country right after college. And I can't think of anything but the Dakotas when I hear it. And I went, that's so cool. And I, I do that with cars. Like yeah. when I get a car, I'll play one, like I one do. album just over and over and over again. Bert, this is so crazy. You fucking brought this up because literally I've been posting about this. I've been thinking about this so much where, so I have a manager, a new manager now, but he's a music manager, not a comedy manager. And he's, he's great. And he loves fish in the dead and kind of rekindle. I mean, I saw like 30 fish shows back in the day. And I posted something about how certain bands will bring you back to certain spaces. And for me, like when I hear the when I hear the dead, I straight up feel like I'm in the fucking 60s. But fish was, yeah, I was seeing all these fish shows and it was all 
road trips. I remember my first, and I would try to time it out too, where like when I bought a cassette or a CD, I didn't consider it like officially listened to until I drove with it, even if it meant circling my neighborhood. And I remember I would always try to line up like dramatic songs with road trips. So my first paid stand-up gig was in Hagerstown, Maryland, and I drove from Jersey and it was right when Room for Squares, John Mayer's first album came on. And like right as I was like peaking the bridge uh, in Philly, like why Georgia came on, not even about the same state. And I, but I just like that will forever be that song and that moment and that gig for me because of like the soundtrack we create. Wilco, Yankee Ho- Hotel Foxtrot. So good. It's Sadly, so good. will always be Last Unlimited in Sacramento for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're ruining music with our dumb comedy club. <laughs> Uh, Joe Milk Hotel that reminds me of Side Splitters. It's like <laughs> it's so funny. I I listened to that. I really got that out. I mean, I I've been listening to that album for a while, but I got that album. I got like I understood yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I understood the I understood the parts I didn't normally get, and I was walking through, you know, that old sack, and it was, and I was just listening to it in headsets, and then I got in my car to drive home. And I just listen to that album over and over and over again. It's funny. Rogan reminds me of uh, of Birth the Conqueror and Triple. I love, I love because that because I listen to I listen to him, I listen to his podcast. I mean, exclusively. I like. I would go to my, I would go out to dinner. I'd go back to my room and I'd throw it on my iPad, and my iPad would just lay in the bed, and I just fall asleep listening to Joey Diaz tell stories or 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 Tom or just anyone. It was back. It was back in the day. That was back. When you were on it, when yeah. on like the old old school days, back when we were all on it all the time, I was in. I mean, it was in fucking Joe's house. Yeah, and so I will forever think. Whenever I listen to Rogan, I think of those days of. I remember being in Hawaii, yeah, laying in the bed, going, "I'm in the wrong fucking. I'm going the wrong direction." <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if I. Every once in a while, my YouTube search will, and then I have a jam band thing I want to pitch to you, but every once in a while, my YouTube search will just, if I'm having like a comedy phase, it'll pop up some Opie and Anthony clip. And like, I'm, I'm just watching it in like in shock where like I I was out because I was a kid. I mean, I was like a teenager and it was right when the old jam band broke up and I was like, well, fucking, I got to do something. I'm dropping out of school because I thought this band was going to stay together and they all had to go to college and it was just me. I was like the last man standing and it was right when I found ONA and I started hearing comics and I go, well, this is cool and I don't need a band that's going to leave me. It's not as cool as music, but uh, yeah, when I hear those old clips, man, I get so fucking nostalgic. Oh, ONA. ONA reminds me of playing tennis at the Beverly Hills Country Club. We just looked this up the other day. Who was I with? Who was I with? Was it on this podcast or was it on another one? Where was I? Oh, I, I was at I was on Two Bears One Cave. Uh, yeah. It was one hundred and seventy five bucks a month to be a member of this country club. Okay. You had use of all facilities. I don't know if that's good or bad because it, I'm so not rich. It's it's. I'm like, is that a deal? It's a deal considering like gyms are you know gyms are like but my whole family could go. They yeah. could use it. We got a dinner there. It was really a Sounds deal. Great. That's great. Yeah. Every morning I went and played tennis. Every morning I went and played tennis with this guy Marty. And I listened to the walk. It started like at the walkover. They just got into the new studio. The like right when they were doing uh, terrestrial and they were doing um, and Sirius XM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, 
Uh, man, that was the fucking greatest. That- I love the idea of you at a fancy country club with your headphones just playing tennis. And if they only knew in the headphones, it was Anthony screaming about some horrible bullshit. I listened to the day that that homeless man said he was going to sexually assault Cond- Condoleezza Rice. There maybe. it is. Yep. I, was that it? And I, I remember going like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, what the fuck did I just hear? My tennis club, when I, when I was a kid, I took tennis lessons and it is shocking that I haven't been like kidnapped. Cause I have lots of stories like this of like <laughs> older men taking a liking to me, but my tennis teacher, he made me my first mixtapes because I started talking to him. Uh, I mentioned like Steve Ray Vaughn. I was, I was a kid. Oh, this is fucking Ari. Ari is such an asshole. I'm going to take this for a second. Hold on okay. one second. Hang on sure. a second. Hang on. Hey. I'm doing a podcast with Jamie Kilstein at the moment. Hey, Ari. Can you call me at a normal time? I live in Los Angeles. 2 p.m. is normal for Los Angeles. You called me at 4 a.m. the other morning. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to come back to that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, call, I'll call you back. I, I, okay. Be where you can answer a phone. FaceTime. Yeah, FaceTime. I'll FaceTime you. Okay. All right. Bye. He it would be hilarious. So He's. He's in Cuba right now. I don't know if everyone knows where he is, but I don't really give a fuck. I'll tell you. He's in Cuba right now. And he's and he's been and he me and him are in this like this is what's so colossally frustrating with Ari is he doesn't really have an, an attachment to any emotion. You know, like not that he's dead inside. He gets very upset about things. Yeah. But he sometimes things will really spark in him and he'll shoot you a really aggressive email telling you something. And then walk away from it and be like, all right, I got it off my chest. But then he puts it on your chest. And you're like, well, I'm not done. Yeah. And then and then I'm and done. then yeah. he's also in a foreign country where he doesn't have cell service. So you can't talk to him. <laughs> and then he calls you at four in the morning when he's awake getting coffee. Sure. And you're like, you're like, hey man, like, can you can we talk at a normal time? It's no. been so frustrating. No, bro. It's Cuba time and I got grievances. And he brought his dog to Cuba. I'm not sure that's allowed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's also one of those guys that I hope he calls back when he comes up with a funny uh, rebuttal, by the way. Uh, he's also one of those guys who is just, I don't know him. I don't know him well at all, but he's so, so funny. Like for the longest time, I thought he hated me when he was indifferent at best and his fucking podcast or something would come up and I'm like, Oh, fucking this guy who fucking hates me. And I listen to it. I'd be like, eh. or like, he'll be like really altruistic from out of nowhere and like really like giving or like talking about the way he talks about like psychedelics and travel. It sounds like a goddamn Tim Ferriss podcast. And then you see his tweet his Twitter and you're like, wait, are you mentally unstable? And he's this beautiful balance of like both of those like reckless comedian and then like beautiful wanderer. It's bizarre. He definitely lives in reckless artists. I wouldn't say I, I only reason I wouldn't say comedian first is I really think Ari has a or an artist spirit. I think he fell into comedy. I think comedy was the thing that he loves. Yeah. He really is a weird kind of like hippie artist in that. Like he, you know, like he likes all things, you know, like he, like, he can, he can like sit and look at trees and be, he's a weird, he's a little like, I listen to his podcast for that. And like, he's very funny. Uh, he's yeah. so funny, but when he talks about that stuff and when he talks about travel, I'm it's like a self help podcast. I'm suddenly like, it's like I just watched a fucking Brene Brown. I'm like, I want to go explore, I want to go explore well, you know, the world. You know, Henry Rollins kind of changed his perspective, and, and it's interesting because I had the exact opposite perspective as Henry Rollins. 
Okay. Like we we both listened to the same podcast Henry Rollins did with Joe, or maybe maybe Ari did a podcast with Henry Rollins. I forget, but I remember for whatever reason Henry inspired Ari to travel, and all I saw was the bullshit in it. It sounds really crazy, and I don't mean bad about Henry Rollins. I'm not talking yeah, about yeah. Henry Rollins. No. I'm just saying, like, I traveled so much for a living that I was like, I think I. I I thought having roots in a place meant more than being the guy that like, I don't know. I just didn't find the weight in waking up and going to a cafe and having coffee and looking at strangers walk by and writing in a journal and then getting lost and having a baguette (laughs) with an old woman. Like none of that shit meant anything to me. Like, because I had been doing that. That was my day to day. Like that was not, that was not like there was no romanticism in it anymore. I had so many, yeah, I had so many days so many days with like, like I had experiences people would dream for. I I, I literally had a, a time. Uh, Halston, I'll send you this picture and you can put it up right now in the podcast when you edit it. I had a most be- beautiful experience in the world where I was walking in a vill- through a village in Vietnam when an old woman asked if she could hold my hand and walk with me. Oh my you, God. I, I had these, uh, but it was like, I'll, I'll, here, I'll show you the picture. It's super easy to find. And yeah, that way yeah. Halston doesn't have to do the, all the fucking legwork. This is what I love about um about the iphone is you go to the maps and then all you got to do is go to vietnam and on the map and that shit shows up quick as oh look it's the first picture that shows up that is how i navigate this. nudes people have sent me it's this beautiful moment holy fuck where this woman wanted to hold my hand and take a walk and she and looks I, so happy for people just listening yeah, and we, and we um, and my cam, my camera. I was I I've been doing a walk with my cameraman and my audio guy, and my camera. One of my cameramen just snapped a pic. She just stopped me and asked to, and was like, "Come here," and we walked. So we did that sound, like in, in that moment though? It, like, were you able to click out of the work mode and in no, that no, moment no, no. go you like this? I gotta is say, beautiful. I, if this was America, I'd be like, "Hey, lady, I don't know what you got. Get the fuck away from me." <laughs> But in Vietnam, there's a romanticism to it. And I think I had seen through the veil. I'd seen through the veil of that. Everything's a little prettier when you travel. Everything's a little. Don't get me wrong. I am definitely more receptive to those views now that I haven't. Now that my travels consist of being in a tour bus or going on tour. And I haven't really seen some beautiful. I had amazing life experiences. Like, like I had amazing life experiences that, that no one will like the majority. 98% 98% of the people in this world, 99% of the people in this world won't get to have four of them. Bro, I, I, still, I, I, still, of them. I still meet people who, when I say I lived in New York, they're like, oh, I've never, like in the States, they're like, oh, I've never been to New York. I want to get to New York one day. You, like, you, you, where are you right now? Uh, right now I'm in Tucson, moving to Austin tomorrow. I'm surrounded by boxes. And then you were, where were you? Uh, I, so I, I did stand up most of my life in New York. And then I spent the last year I've been last year and a half I've been in Tucson, and then I was LA for like three to four years. Where were the? I'm saying where were the mountain villages or the Uh, mountains when you were leaving? Oh, right now they're like in my backyard. That's right, Tucson. I'm above. Yeah, so I'm not in the city. I'm like above Tucson with all the like old widows is where I live, and uh, yeah, it's like the Catalina Mountains, and they're fucking gorgeous. Can I tell Uh, you, Arizona gets a bad fucking rap. Yo, this is my life. I w- before COVID happened, my life was bad and like law, like breakup cat died. I'm like the same two days. Like, it was just awful. And 
I have come out of this year being in nature, being by the mountains, being in fucking Arizona, uh, being by people who are just a little more relaxed. Like when I went back to LA to do press, it is not fun. And it, it's the reason I'm alive, man. Just being out here has forever changed my perspective on, on people, on earth, on like, it's the healthiest I've ever been. Like Arizona is dope. I will forever be grateful to this fuck. But and I, we picked it randomly. Like there was no reason I was just in a, a shitty relationship where both of us were, I think we settled for each other because we were sick of dating in LA and she was like, you're nice. And I'm like, you're nice. And instead of realizing that we were in a bad relationship, we were like, it's probably Los Angeles's fault. And so we just picked a city randomly and we visited Tucson. What date? What date? What date? Uh, it was that, that I moved. It was yeah. July something. Of last year. Of last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we broke up in January and then COVID happened. So this oh, is like wow. my first year I've been by myself. That, so my first year ever being single was quarantine year, like since I've been dating, which was crazy. I mean, that's why I had this, I mean, kind of like, our, it's been a lot of mushrooms. It's been a lot of nature. It's been a lot of writing. And that's why I was like, I had this moment where I was like, well, I either think about killing myself again, or I have to like triple the fuck down on everything from like health and meditation to comedy, to writing. And like, it was a very lame middle-aged divorce guys version of like eat, pray, love in quarantine, you know, where I was just like, okay, man, what's everything that I've always wanted to do that I couldn't do. And like, part of it was writing the comedy album where I'm like, I've been afraid of that for eight fucking years. I'm going to do that. Like, then I started making sketches on Instagram. I started waking up at like five and hiking and meditating and like things that like when you relationship jump, like I did, or for me, I was just codependent. You don't realize the things you like and need. And then you kind of, for some resent your partner because like you guys aren't, you're not happy. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know what you like. So it's not her fault. Ooh, right. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so funny. Fuck. You know, I did I, what, what you're talking about. I did. I yeah. was relationship junkie from lose my virginity, new girlfriend, Same. Uh, moves to college, new girlfriend. Uh, five years cheats on me brand new girlfriend immediately yeah my first then, girlfriend cheated on me so that's like oh i guess this that's what love is that's what this is going to be forever yeah and then and then i moved to new york and i broke up with the girlfriend it was rough and i said to my you know what's so funny is i always say to my wife i can't believe i love you like i always i'm shocked i love her like yeah. i like because i always fell out of love with people but what it was was it was me i i was uncomfortable in those relationships it was always me and I blamed them in my head. I still, till you yep. just said that I kind of always blamed them, but I realized I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy. I it wasn't and for whatever reason, my wife, I don't know why. I mean, like, and I mean this, I say this candidly and lovingly. She is, was not the most beautiful woman I ever dated. Not the funniest woman, not the craziest woman, not the wildest sex woman, but just the right amount of everything. Yeah. Where you were yeah. like, you're like, you make me laugh hard as fuck. Like, Granted, you're not like cocaine in a fucking bathroom making me laugh. Like there's that right. I know that girl and she was uh granted, granted, she was crazy out of her fucking mind. But that bitch could make me laugh so fuck to this day. Yeah. To this day I see oh. that woman 
And that woman makes me laugh well, so a, fucking hard. It's the same with sex. It's like, you, you, you know, who will forever be the, the best sexual partner ever had the crazy one who used to slap me like where it's <laughs> like, okay, maybe I'm not going to have that. Like we're fucking six times a day. She's so much hotter than me, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also not going to be in like a mentally abusive slash sometimes physically abusive relationships where, yeah, someone who does have all of those things. I mean, dude, it's wild. I've been reading a lot about relationships and stuff, even though I've been purposefully single and saying no to, to people. And, but I've also been reading a lot about like Buddhism and stuff. There's a lot of overlap with like polyamorous communities and like monks, even though monks are fucking celibate, poly, you know, they do their thing. But it's with the diagnosis of what is wrong with relationships. And most of it is I have a hole in my heart that I'm going to try to fill with a girl. She has a hole in her heart, right? So like for me, the girls I attract, so I'm looking for like, I don't know, someone like beautiful because I always felt like I wasn't or someone who tells me I'm good, right? Because I have like validation issues. And a lot of times the girls I attract are looking for like artsy, manic, pixie, like pixie dream boy, like let's quit your job and go on an adventure. And then we're trying to fill these holes and what happens is um, because we aren't complete for a little while, it works, right? She's making me feel like I'm attractive. I'm making her feel like she's like adventurous. And then right you're around, like a, you're like a fast motorboat taking on water. You're like right out the <laughs> right off the dock. You're fine. But the further you get out to sea, you're like, oh, shit, we got to start bailing this shit. I love seeing the Florida come out of you in that analogy. I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what I am. Uh, and fucking. But then when you have your first fight, you realize like, instead of realizing like, oh, fuck, I was trying to use you for this and you were trying to use me for this. You just go, well, I guess she sucks or I guess he's or I guess this isn't going to work. Or you just for me, my problem was I can never break up because one, I would feel bad. But two, I think that like I just assumed I'd never find anyone else where I'm like, this is it. Like I would move in. That girl I was telling you about, I moved in with her in like three months. My last girlfriend I moved in. And there's part of me that I'm like, I in the moment, I think it's this romantic, like, oh, we fell in love. I mean, I almost people. started dating my landlord. I was like, you're already here. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my dad, anytime like a girl would come over, he still was like, she's not moving in, is she? And I'm like, all right, man. Like, I think that in my head, I mean, again, it was romantic, it, what I thought. But looking back, Part of me thinks I was just trying to put obstacles in their way so they wouldn't break up with me where I'm like, well, if we move in, we're kind of fucking in this. You know what I mean? You don't want to get a mover. You don't want to like break a lease. And it, it, it again was that just like, please don't leave me because I always thought being codependent was just that. Please don't leave me. But it's also I will do whatever you want because I don't want you to leave. So you don't want me to go to jujitsu because of this? Cool. But then hours later, when I start getting pissy or if I cook dinner and she doesn't say thank you and then I'm suddenly being an asshole because I'm like, I was being such a nice guy. It's like, but I wasn't being a nice guy. I was doing it for me because I was afraid that she would be mad instead of just being like, hey, I'm going to go to jujitsu. Let's fucking hang out tomorrow or like I'll, I'll bring home dinner or, oh, or, or whatever. I could never. I could never. I could never. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm, t I'm coming upon all these realizations just in this conversation, but yeah, 
I this has been my I, year, man. This is just me by myself in a fucking journal figuring all this shit out. So I'm with you. I still have a hard time if if it's FOMO for me, but it's in a relationship. I couldn't. I remember being like, "Why would we go out not together? Like, where, where, why, where, like, why would you? Where are you gonna go? You're gonna go to bars. I'm gonna go to bars. When do we meet up? Like, we gotta meet up, right? Like, why would we go out and then not see each other? Like, I remember just being so confused at, at like, what are you doing? You go to the library? Then I guess I'll just go with you. Like, me too. Or why wouldn't we spend? Why would we ever have two different apartments? Why aren't we gonna spend every night together? Right? Why would we not spend a night together? Do you not yep. like me? Like. I was not healthy about any of that shit. I was not healthy. And, you know, it's it's so funny. You know, boys are, boys are, I think boys, I don't know about boys now, I can't say. But boys, when I grew up, were broken and were, were fucked up. And, and I remember I was just on the treadmill thinking about this. I was like, I was like, I'm not definitely by, by any stretch of means woke at all. I'm definitely way more woke than the men that raised me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the that's a really funny bit yeah that's like, hilarious i was saying to someone like uh <laughs> we, had, we had a we had an uncle we had a, 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 a long story but i remember we found out we were talking about he was explaining homosexuality yeah. to me at, at a beach house in sanibel island and i didn't know i didn't understand what it was and everyone was talking about it, it was when aids was out and yeah. uh and I was, I didn't understand it. And I was laughing and I was laughing. You said when AIDS was out, like it was like an old movie. <laughs> yeah. When AIDS just came out, like first episode AIDS. And so, <laughs> um, brand new, not even out yet. And so full blown AIDS wasn't even out yet. Just AIDS. No, no, no. So, yeah. Yeah. That was the sequel. It was horrifying. So I remember I was laughing at it. My uncle was like, this isn't funny, man. And I was yeah. like, what? And then he pulled me around back and he was like, you're not gay. Are you? And I was like, I don't know what's gay. Like, I mean, I, re- I really like, was, course, yeah, this totally. is where, this is where that pivotal moment where in, in the right set of hands, you are an open-minded dude for your entire fucking <laughs> life. And in the wrong yeah. set of hands, you have hurdles to jump over. You're all fucking dragging down. people out of gym class. Yeah. yeah. Oh my and God. He goes, I go, what's gay. And he goes, it's when you fuck other dudes in the butt and then you die. And I was like, right. holy shit, man. I was like, I hope I'm not. And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, what? And then, that, that was not a good pitch for being gay. Oh, and I, I remember being like, as opposed to someone going, you know what, man, it's which is, I think what happens to kids now is you're like, like people talk about. Um, I'm always shocked when someone gives a fuck. We just talked me and Christina Pajinski just talked about this. I'm always shocked when someone gives a fuck about someone being transgendered or that people are becoming transgendered or that or that I'm, I'm always shocked about any of that because I really. Not that I don't, I don't mean don't care like callously, but I, I really don't, it does not take up mind in my space. It doesn't like affect you. Elliot Page just uh, transitioned. Yeah. And, uh, and my, I was like, I was like, awesome. Like, I don't like, I, I honestly, I, it doesn't, as long as she tells me or he, I'm sorry, as long as he tells me I can keep drinking. Yeah. Like, I don't care whatever the fuck <laughs> you do in your life. I, the last thing I want to do is get political here, but yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I have an Ari thing and maybe a jam band thing I want to go back to, but the Ari thing I definitely do. And I definitely have an Arizona thing I want to go back to. Oh, great. Cause there's an Ari thing that you might be able to actually help me with. I'm curious, but the, um, I think that part of the reason people get so fucking upset. So I'm with you. Yeah. I'm like, it's far more heartbreaking to me when I hear about horrible things and bullying that happen to trans people than me having to 
call some then if i fuck up and call someone by like the wrong pronoun or whatever you know what i've I mean? done like, that i just did it i've done yeah. it and it's, it's, it's like, and i think, we'll be I think okay. anyone in their right mind goes as long as you're not doing willfully to hurt them like well, where you're like no they can suck my dick i'll call them what i want to call them as long as that i think yeah is totally and so i think that part of this pushback is that because we've become so tribalized and divided and you're either full Trump or full Biden or full Bernie or whatever. Um, people just automatically feel like they have to be on a certain side of an argument, even if they don't give a fuck about Elliot Page. They go, oh, well, I'm on the fucking anti-trans team. So I have to have a hot take about why this is stupid. So like, for example, I had a guy, I interviewed this tactical firearms instructor. He's like friends with Tim Kennedy and what's his name? Uh, his name, Jeffrey or, uh, Gonzalez. Okay. And he, because I want to talk to him about gun control. Cause I wanted to be like, Hey man, uh, you know, a lot more about guns than me. So instead of me being a liberal fucking asshole and being like, ban all guns, what do you think we should do to stop shootings as someone who has far more knowledge? And I go, why don't more NRA people speak up? You know, if someone was going around choking women and being like, Dude, I use jujitsu, jujitsu is awesome. I wouldn't blindly defend that guy. I'd be like, we have to stop that fucking jujitsu guy. He's making us look bad. And he goes, because we're so on the defense every time there's a shooting, <laughs> we're waiting for people to come after us. We're waiting for people to blame us that we just are, we're just defending ourselves. And I'm like, that's fucking insane to me that the people who know the most about guns essentially don't get to speak up or aren't or aren't speaking up against like, Hey, here's what we can do to make it safer. COVID's uh, an even better example. How the fuck have we made COVID political? If I see someone not wearing a mask inside, I'm pretty positive that dude voted for Trump, right? Ooh. Instead of, and, and by the way, there are a lot of people on the right who think that everyone who wears a mask doesn't give a fuck about their job, doesn't give a fuck about health. And so, but why aren't we all talking about, jobs, science, masks, but instead like only this side can talk about health and sunlight. Only this side can talk about masks. It's so fucking insane. Um, and so that's what I think happens is I think like the same with cancel culture with jokes. When a group of people get so mad about jokes, what are comics going to do? And worse than that, what are less funny comedy fans going to do? They're going to double down and say even more offensive shit, maybe yeah. even less funny, maybe legitimately hateful shit because yeah. they're like, fuck the people who are trying to cancel me. And then comedy start. So in a weird way, it's like by being like with the cancel culture thing, like overly, or if, if you got shit, for example, for slipping up on that pronoun, when you're legitimately trying to do the right thing, then you're going to go, well, then why the fuck do I bother? Well, then, then it turns into, I will never speak his name ever again, or I will avoid the topic of, yes. El, of, of, uh, of Elliot page hundred percent because I don't want to get in trouble. So, you know what, actually they're all kind of dead to me. So like, sure, whatever, man, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Just like, fucking, I, but I don't mean yeah. like, I don't mean like I never would say like, I don't give a fuck. I want them. I want anyone. Here's my deal with my life. I want everyone. I feel pretty fucking awesome. I, I'm really happy. I'm yeah. usually really happy. I'm going through a little bit of shit right now, but I'm a really happy person deep down inside. Um, and I want everyone to feel as happy as I am. Now I'm a straight white male uh, affluent and I do, ex I do what I love to do. Yep. I, and so like, and so now I realize I'm really blessed. I am so blessed in so many ways that I, I'm, I, I'm good. I've been, 
we're going through a thing with our daughters of uh of rights versus privileges meaning um like it's not your right to have a car it's your privilege to have a car yes it's not your right to go your right is to go to school it's not your right to go to a, a private school it's your privilege to go to, we're doing that with our daughters just trying to like and lately i have been finding everything to be a privilege meaning and i don't mean i i don't mean to dog will whistle this into like white privilege i don't want anyone to misconstrue that i'm not talking about that i'm talking about mobility like lately i said mobility is a privilege mm. um i have you know i witnessed tom fall tom Segura fall break his yeah. knee and, and his arm it was very traumatic i was talking to a friend today about it and i and my friend's really into um health and fitness yeah. and uh and well, he's all of our friends but I'm, but he's really into health and fitness and I had said, you know, I was 267 when Tom fell and I'm 241 right now. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not fucking around with losing weight. I'm losing weight and I'm, I don't enjoy it. I'm not enjoying it. I'm not drinking. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool. With, by the way, I'm cool with not drinking for six months. I'm yeah. cool with not drinking for six months. If it gets me to a manageable weight where I'm not putting excessive stress on my tendons and I can work out and I look at working out as different. I get on the treadmill and I say, this is a privilege. Your walking is a privilege. Not everyone is gifted walk like and and arms like there are people born with disabilities and then you start really finding your privilege and going and i don't privilege is the wrong word it's just the word i know you the mean right, that, yeah it's the right word but it's been so triggered lately yeah. but i go my mobility is a privilege it's a blessing so i should enjoy it and embrace it and really look at the treadmill as i have the privilege of working out today tom segura does not have the privilege of working out he he is walking in circles in a fucking hotel room trying right. to get just be a little active so his body doesn't atrophy and i am acutely aware of that and so that is what's been on my head and so i look i'm looking at everything as like a gift everything's yeah. a gift to me because well, of is, witnessing tom this is one of the things that i try to so I've struggled with like eating issues. Oh, um, uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm eating right now. <laughs> but like, by the way, guys, uh, these fucking protein one bars are awesome. I love them. They're they're so good that I got nervous, but they're so good. But there's no sugar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the birthday you, cake one and protein that shit you got. That's so good. Um, The. You know, with guys, they don't call it an eating disorder because that's like girl shit. Right. But I have had moments where I'm like, it felt like an alcoholic where would hang up on the delivery person. Cause I'm like, I know I shouldn't have a fucking second dinner and then call them back and okay. like shit like that. Right. Okay. Then let's figure this out because I can't find the difference between a diet and an eating disorder. Okay. So, I can't, yeah. Well, I can't tell the difference is look, if I'm going to, if, if you're going to say like, Hey man, eat healthy, I'm going to eat all the time. Yep. nonstop. Yep. And I'm going to eat until I'm sick. Yeah. I don't have, I don't know what it's like to just go. Me too. I'm gonna I'm gonna be um like I'm eating healthy right now, right? So I have a piece of salmon on top of spinach with some sliced onion, uh, mustard, lemon. Um, it's a mustard, lemon, garlic, olive oil sauce with, with and and that's what I have on everything. And that's all I just go. I just very simply go. That's what I eat. That's what I get. I don't get anything else. Yeah. So last night where I'm fucking starving, I just sit and I go. I don't get it. I don't get to get it. I gotta yeah. go to bed and I lay to bed and I'm hungry, and then when I wake up. I feel a strength when I'm wake up hungry. I yeah. feel a strength that I made it through the night. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's keep, but it's, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a, an emotional game. I, it's an emotional game. And when I hear, this is kind of like what I was going to say with, with Ari, where like he, 
when I hear him talking about like travel and all that stuff, I, I'm so inspired. And then sometimes, because I stopped drinking this year, when I hear him doing a podcast where it's like, yeah, him and Shane are going to be fucking drinking or whatever. I'm like, I want to drink. That's what makes me a comic. And Ooh. there are some people when I talk about food and I go, hey, how many like cheap meals do you give yourself? And they're like, oh, man, I just eat what I want and then I'll make up for it the next day. And I'm like, oh, that's uh, magic. That's wizardry. I can't do that. If I have a cheap meal on Friday and I go, oh, I'm going to order a pizza and then I'll put some of it away. I put none of it away. Number one, I eat the entire thing by myself. Then the next day, well, it's Saturday, so I can probably, you know what? We'll just start on fucking Monday. And then I'm binge eating the entire weekend. This is one of the things that's been so hard with me with comedy and with being on the road um, where it's just, it's constant. It's just, you eat shitty, you fucking shit talk, you drink, and there's a lot of fun to it, but it's, there are some people uh, that can't handle it. So what I was going to say to you before, when you said the treadmill thing, because look, man, if this is working for you right now, do what's working for you, but you also have to be nice to yourself because the times that I've emailed myself where I'm like, literally like, don't eat fucking shit. Like stop being a piece of shit, like mean stuff. And that doesn't help because if you feel like a piece of shit, you're going to treat yourself like a piece of shit. And then you're going to eat. You're going to behave like a piece of shit. Yeah. So I (laughs) I wonder if you can take that same mentality you take on the treadmill where you're like, this is a blessing. This mobility is a blessing too. I do hear people. It's a little cheesy, but I do like it where it's like, you're not feeding yourself because you're fucking sad you're nourishing your body because we're blessed to have a fucking body. So when I think like that, instead of like, Oh, I'm eating salmon because like fucking fatty can't handle pizza. When I think of it as like, I'm eating salmon because I want my fucking body to be strong and I want to feel good. And then if I'm still hungry, I'll go, I'm going to have another piece of fucking salmon. As opposed to if you're just like restricting, hating, restricting, hating, then when you're really hungry and you cave, you're probably not going to have salmon. You're probably going to fucking go bananas and go crazy, right? Yeah, no, I... I um, You I have, have to be not- proud of yourself, too, is what I'm saying. You can't just be fucking mean to yourself. I'll tell you you have to be like, days, I'm killing it. I'll tell you how many days I've been doing this. By the way, I do the, I, I do my diets on a sober app. Isn't that crazy? That's I, I mean, I get it, man. Look, while you look for that, I'll say food is it's not talked about, especially with guys, but is such a fucking hard addiction because if you're quitting cigarettes, you don't have to smoke three cigarettes a day. You don't have to constantly see billboards every time I dude, I'll eat healthy all week. Fucking barely have any carbs, jujitsu kickbox like twice a day. I'm feeling good. And then I watch the fights and a fucking pizza commercial comes on and I'm like, well, fucking everyone else gets to eat pizza while they watch fights. And then yeah. I take that one bite and then I'm done. So then I go, well, do I just never get to fucking eat pizza or do I have to work? Is this something I have to work on? And it's just bad. And that's what you were talking about when there are yeah. people who, who, oh, I can just have a beer. It's like, well, fuck you. I can't just have a beer. I can't just have a slice of pizza. Like when I go, I go. But then the conversely, what's cool is like, can you use that addictive personality for healthy shit because that's also how me and you got good at comedy it's also how i got good at jujitsu it's also how i'm gonna get good at fucking professional wrestling at 38 like if i get addicted to something i'll get really good at it in kind of a healthy way but i'll go hard um but then it could go the opposite if i'm i I I can do i can do oddly enough the one thing i can do moderation with is booze not food and i can i can definitely go on the wagon for 
the week and then party on the weekend and then go right back on the week, wagon Monday morning. And that's great. And then not, and then not drink. Like right now I, I haven't drank in like since this month. So whatever day today is sure. like, uh, since 10th, a little bit before this, probably 10 days or whatever. I said, probably I actually, it's the exact same amount of days that, uh, that I've been dieting. So probably 10 days. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, and it, that doesn't affect me. I don't think like, cause in a weird way I go, Oh, I know I can drink later. I know I can drink in another day. Like when it's, when it's worth it. Yeah. And when it's fun, I can figure it out. I'll have fun. But with food, it is every day. seems like it seems like a day you should have fun. The main reason I dr- stopped drinking and smoking weed wasn't because I was getting drunk. It was because it would lead me to do shitty food. Oh yeah. And so, so I was like, Oh, like, that's when I was like, I think food is my fucking issue. Um, and then the other stuff, it was just like a catalyst. Whereas if I can go, even though like, you know, I'm small and old, if I can go, I'm an athlete, then I get to go, well, what would an athlete eat here? And th- yeah. that's what I'm talking about with like, for me, I need the positive affirmation. Like with coaches, I never do well with the like, get up, you're being a pussy. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go home. This is don't. I'm a, I'm a grown man. Don't fucking yell at me. I'm paying you $200 a month. Like I do really well. I'm not that much of a baby, but like, I just, I'll crumble, um, inside at least. But when I get someone, you know, if I'm in a bad position in a fight and my coach is like, you got a man, get out of there. You know what to do. I suddenly I'm out of there and I'm beating that dude's ass. Or if I do yeah. something cool and my, I hear my coach or I hear people watching, they go, Oh shit. Now I'm like dropping my hands and shit. So like positive affirmation works really well for me. That's why, I mean, dude, this sounds like a bit. I may have even thrown it into a bit, but but it's true. When I started reading on like positive psychology and like Tony Robbins shit, there was a phase in the beginning of this year where I was trying to think positive and I couldn't, Bert. So like I literally started getting mad at myself for not thinking positive. And I caught myself in my head going like, just think positive. You're being a fucking piece of shit. Just think positive. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, how bad is that? Like, you can't even think positive without being mean to yourself. And I think it might have been Brene Brown who said, uh, when you talk to yourself, like, think about would you talk to, like, your wife that way? You know, like, would you be like, come on, you fat piece of shit. You only get a piece of salmon. Like, no, probably not. It's so So, funny. That punitive dialogue so drives me. It drives me. Like, I, I love coaches. I love coaching. I respond very well to coaching. I like a coach. I like a coach who pushes me well beyond my limit. And I like a punitive coach. I like a, I like a coach who says, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the most honest with you that anyone's going to be. And I, and, and then I think that dips into why I'm able, why I'm able to party all night and then get up and get on the treadmill, work out, get my work done. And then, and it's, it's a, it's a number of things. It's that with treats. If I can get treats at the end of the day, then yeah. I feel like I have my days like right now, my treat is, um, is cigars. So like yeah. I am hardcore, like looking forward to a cigar at some point tonight. And then, and I know I what I also know is that if I don't get my cigar, then I get one tomorrow. I'm yeah. really thinking about yeah, yeah. taking edibles tomorrow afternoon, taking a very low grade edible just yeah. to see if it improves my mood a little bit, but I'm not partying. I don't know booze this month until um, New Year's Eve. And I'm going to see, I'm going to see how much weight I can lose. I think I can get to, I would like to get to 225. Yeah. I got to try to, I got to try to lose a little bit and bulk up a little bit 
Um, but we, I wish I, was, I could bulk. I could bulk up easy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, there's, there's also, there's part of me that thinks that like. For me, when I come, um, by the way, just to be very clear, I need that honest coach who pushes me like afterwards where I'm like, I want to know everything I did wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. sugarcoat it. I'm just saying like when I'm fi- like when I'm actually sparring in the ring, I turn it up. I respond better to the positive feedback. Uh, but like afterwards, yeah, I don't want to just be like fucking. That's why I'm, I'm like, yeah, when you go to like a cardio kickboxing place and everyone's throwing punches wrong and the coach is like, great job, everyone. It's like, no, this is not a great job. Everyone would yeah. die in a street fight. Um. But what I was going to say with, with substances, this happens to me with comedy a lot. And I've done mushrooms a lot this year for the first time. And, but never to party always like by myself with a fucking agenda. Um, <laughs> but with, uh, <laughs> by the way, I've only done them to party. Everyone has gotten spiritual. I'm always like, really? Oh yeah. I tried, tried taking them and inner tubing down a river in Florida. <laughs> It's fucking incredible. I was going to take acid in Vegas because I was like, oh, I should experiment with other psychedelics. And then the guy, I never met the guy I was going to take it with. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, it's good stuff. I tried it last night. And uh, I was just like sitting around thinking about how mad I was at my ex-girlfriend. And I was like, I'm not going to take acid with you. That sounds like (laughs) a fucking nightmare. Uh, But with me, with like drinking and weed, even when you said edibles, I go, oh, that sounds great. Like, that's what I can do. But every time I take edibles, I'm like, this is horrible. I'm so scared right now and I don't like it. I've never reacted well, but there's part of me with comedy. And I think for me, it's a confidence thing again, where I just want to have a thing. Like, instead of being like, Hey, this is me fucking sober. These are my jokes sober. These are my thoughts sober. I'm going to leave the club. I don't need to fucking sleep with anyone. I'm going to go back to my hotel. I'm going to write, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to work out because that's what I do when I'm fucking happy. And that's what I'm doing when I help when I'm healthy. When I do comedy, there is something about that delinquent mindset we grew up in where it's like comedy was like very rebellious and you know you talk about being a degenerate on stage and shit like that that it's almost like like when i was smoking weed this is so childish but i'll say it when i was smoking weed i would always have to announce it on twitter or on the podcast i would be like i'd say something ridiculous and i'd be like or maybe i'm like just high and it was almost like a so like laugh at me being high or don't judge it or, um, you know, this may have been silly or weird, but my excuse is I was high instead yeah. of just owning that I can be fucking funny or I can be thoughtful or I can be whatever. Yeah, we're, all like a crutch. we're all guilty of that. Yeah. We, all of us were looked at. I mean, I, I did it a number of times growing up, but, but even I did it on podcasts where I'd be like, this is a high thought. And you're like, no, it's also just your thought, but, you do yeah. think different. I remember getting into a conversation with uh, on a podcast about if you could throw fish 10 feet in the air and they started flying, right. how many fish would be left on the planet? <laughs> and I could not stop laughing. I, and I was like, that is a high it's thought. So it's only something you think about high. But um, but yeah, I, I you know, I, I God, you said something and I was trying to I can't walk. I, I get really. I guess triggered is the right word, but it's the wrong, <laughs> but I get really triggered. If I watch, um, like last night I watched, uh, the darkest hour about okay. Winston Churchill. Okay. And Winston Churchill would wake up with a glass of scotch every morning. Yeah. And then I was like, and then he'd have a cigar in bed. And I thought his wife, his wife would make him 
about his wife, his servants or whatever, would make him a scotch, uh, an egg, some bacon, a cup of coffee, uh, seltzer water. Um, and like, and like, and they'd bring it to him in bed and a cigar and he'd light a cigar first thing in the morning, light a cigar and smoke a cigar and have a scotch. And I thought, I thought to myself, I want to have one of those days. You're like, gonna, this, I'm, is, I'm, this is how I become might, Winston Churchill. Yeah. I might have, I think maybe January 1st, I'm going to have my wife bring me in breakfast in bed <laughs> with a cigar and a scotch. Sure. And I'm going to have it in bed. And, and I thought, and then I'm going to have a champagne, a bottle of champagne at lunch and a bottle of champagne at dinner. And, yeah. and that, cause that's what Winston Churchill did. Yeah. And he lived till he was 90. Yep. And I couldn't, I was watching this last night, by the way, I'm obsessed with history right now. Like I'm obsessed with history, but I was watching this and I couldn't, I couldn't stop trying to place myself in that situation and think, I only really know one speed of booze. Like I only know like, like party booze, like I, and, and I'm very, very um, litigious about when and how I drink. Like I am, I am not, I am a day drinker. Like I love day drinking, but I don't do it very often. I don't do it at all anymore. Only because I feel, I feel, well, now I feel like an old person. I feel day drinking more the next day. Oh, I I ever did. Dude, I felt day drinking in my fucking 20s. The first time I went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival where everyone is drunk all day, all night. uh, And I was like, I'm going to have a beer in the afternoon for the first time. And I just had some, want two, maybe pints of just hard ass, you know, fucking Scotland beer. And I remember like stumbling through my set in front of like 15 people in the afternoon and then going out and like the sunlight hit me. And I was like, like it was, I was just, and then I went to sleep until nightfall. Like I was just completely fucked up. Oh, I think Winston that's... Churchill took a nap every day at four. Yeah, and Nap's... and 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 he was like, "I have to." That's my thing. And, then I, great. and I I woke up, I woke up with a mindset today of, I woke up at like, uh, I've been waking up really early because I haven't been drinking. Yeah. But then I was like, and I was like, you don't want to wake up too early because then your day is going to be fucked. Waking and today I thought, shit, why not pick the parts of the day you want to see? Like, I, there are certain parts of the day I really love. Yeah. And there are certain parts of the day I don't really care for. Yeah. And I was like, like, I don't really give a fuck about like two o'clock in the afternoon. It's not my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not my yeah. favorite hour. It actually, it is, it is now, but like 10 a.m. to 11, I don't really care about. I like that you've become like a fucking king with time where you're like two o'clock, don't care for you. And you can just yeah. go to sleep. I'm going to go take a nap. And then oh, I was great. like, but I love sunrise. I love yep. sunrise. I love sunset. I love night. I yep, love yep. parts of the day, but not all parts of the day. I like, and so I was like, I'm going to start picking the parts of the day I want to be a part of. And then on the ones I don't, and by the way, I'm not doing it as a drinker. I'm doing it as a sober person. Dude, it, it sounds insane, but it's, that's pretty much what I've been doing where it turns out. I love one of the things I learned about single Jamie. I love waking up at like five fucking AM and I hear the birds and I take a walk and I watch the sunset. I write much better in the morning because I'm yeah. not bombarded with like insecurities and thoughts. And then I'll, I'll, I'll kickbox at like 11, get home at 12. And then I fucking sleep till like one. And yeah. then I'm, I'm powered up. I did that today. Uh, uh Sunsets at four 30. It's fucking awesome. It's great. I'm yeah. I'm doing the, uh, I'm doing the pocket. Like, yeah, the sun will start setting. It's, this is exactly how I want it. This podcast is brought to you by, Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. And trust me, as someone who kicked tobacco three different ways, 
three different ways. Once in college, once in New York, and then once in right before I got married, right after I got the day after I got married, man, the alternatives always sucked. I got heartburn from them. It was always, it was always a nicotine alternative that had tobacco in it. And I I wanted to get away from tobacco. What's great is Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate, and Lucy has four has lozenges with four milligrams of nicotine in cherry ice. And each flavor actually tastes great. And it's convenient, discreet product can be enjoyed anywhere. Flights works go on the go, or even at the gym. It's 2020. Let's get rid of cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw your fucking dip out. I know it smells good, but later in life, you can open it and smell it and it'll remind you of the times that you were weak and you couldn't quit it. Get some Lucy nicotine gums or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple. You don't even have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. <laughs> I love that. Birdcast listeners go to lucy.co and use the promo code BIRT to get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code BIRT at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an additive chemical lucy.co and make sure to use the promo code Bert. This podcast is brought to you by hymns. I talk about hymns and all my podcasts because I love it. Let me tell you something. 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35. That's what happened to me. I was 22 years old. I noticed I was losing my hair. Jeff Hartley said something about it. I did something about it. I got in front of it and guess what? I still got hair. I still got hair. Christina Pajinski tells me, I can't believe you still have hair. Her husband doesn't. He didn't do anything about it. Or maybe he turned to snake oil pills or gas station remedies. Maybe he was intimidated by going to a doctor and answering some personal questions or waiting in those awkward, long doctor lines. Well, guess what? For hims is one-stop shopping for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness, all for men. It was created by a company that knew that some conversations for men, medical conversations, are easier to have online than in person. And so now you, all you do, very discreetly, you answer a few quick questions online, a medical, medical professional will review. And if they, they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you medication to treat your hair loss that's shipped directly and discreetly to your door. No more pharmacy lines, no more doctor visits. Just go online and get the medication to stop your hair loss like I did. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely for free. Go to forhims.com slash birdcast. That's forhims.com slash birdcast. Disclaimer prescription product requires an online consultation from a healthcare provider with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash. Oh my God, it's all in my eyes. Birdcast. Forhims.com slash birdcast. Forhims.com slash birdcast. When I see, like, if I saw that Churchill thing, there would be part of my brain that would be like, oh, I guess to be a great man, I need to start every day with whiskey and bacon. Like, so my Instagram, here's a confession. I've had to unfollow you a couple times. Right now we're in the following phase because I can only follow people that inspire me to be healthy. If I followed only comics, <laughs> I'd be fucking dead. I don't inspire anyone to be healthy. I dude, I but you're so funny. Like I find like I was just like, all right, just fucking deal with it. So I pretty much am just following a couple like spiritual motivational things, a couple people I know, but mainly fighters. Because I'm just watching like what a fighter is eating, what uh, you know, what this person's eating, what or because here's my problem. Here's my problem with inspirational people. Okay. Yeah. 
there's only like a handful of legit inspirational people. Okay. You know, I'm obsessed. I, 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 I we're not to, to, I talked about this on two bears, one cave. Okay. I'm obsessed with original thought. I'm, I'm in raising two daughters who are TikTokers, like meaning they're on TikTok all the time. Yeah. They, re, they regurgitate, they parrot a lot of, um, tired thoughts. Yes. Uh, that's the content. Um, Oh, that I am so here for that dad. Like, like I go, don't do that. Say your thoughts, say the fucking right. words you want to say, pick right. a word, pick something beautiful, fuck it up. Tell me that warms your heart. Like whiskey, like say oh, something, yeah. say something that oh, give me, give me I, something. I love, yeah. Give me something new. I want to hear something new. That's funnier than an elephant's foot. I don't, I want to hear something like, like different. Yeah. And I've been really obsessed with original thought. Um, yes. and, and so, Oh God, I fucking just lost my thought now. So there's a motivational speaker guy I saw. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to blow up the guy's spot, but he was regard guys. A, he looks the part, sounds yeah. the part. And they all say just, the same shit. And he's saying the same shit as everyone else. Do. And I was like, so bro, you can't do that. I wouldn't, that wouldn't pass it in comedy. Yeah. So if you want to be a motivational speaker, if you want to put that on the same page, I put stand up comedy, you yeah. better have brand new thoughts. You better yes. have brand new fucking thoughts that I have never heard of. I thought about question myself. Yes. I thought about that the other day where I'm like, how do they all get away with saying they're all pretty much quoting different versions of like think and grow rich from the fifties. They're all, and they're all quoting Cahill Burger bronze, the cop profit at some the, point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like everybody. And a lot of times they won't even be like, it's one thing if you're like, Oh, you know, like this was written or like this person said or whatever, but they're all just like, say, yeah, you're right. They're saying the exact same things where if it was a comedy club, that would be like, it'd be like a fucking a situation where it's like that yeah. guy's stealing material. And then they, there's, and then there's people, then there's people. And I'll say this is like, and then, so then there's people that are the, the, that's the, the top tier of guys that are like inspirational dudes that say they're inspirational dudes, but they're all regurgitating the same things. Yeah. Then there's people right below them that don't even know they're regurgitating the same things. They've heard a couple of things that they're just repeating yeah. and they're like, and they're, and they're, and they're, they're, they're sliding it their way to like, kind of like promote themselves as like, this is what I like to do. This, 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 and this. And you're like, yep. yeah, no shit. Fuck face. That's what we all like to do. Yeah. But yeah, then yeah. there's people who <laughs> behave inspirationally. And I think that's who you're talking about is like, that's who I'm like about. David Goggins. Yes. Fucking yes. Jocko. Wilmick, Jocko. Jocko fucking uh, Cam Haynes. Yeah. Rogan. Like those guys like R Rogan legit does not spew any self-help shit, but man, his thoughts work for him yep. and their original thoughts like conquer your inner bitch yeah yeah <laughs> like don't that, be a cunt like the yeah. whatever rogan's like they work for him and like and i my thing is find the things that work for you and embrace them and but i'm tired of these fucking false prophets like yeah. like i like i like i like motherfuckers who show me good shit yeah dude you know, I, just, like, I, I just talked about this on um on my podcast about Jocko because I've become friends with a lot of the guys who run Jocko's company, uh, origin. And what I noticed is that like, even when I disagree with Jocko, he's so open-minded. He's so confident that he's more open-minded than a lot of the insecure liberals who maybe I agree more with 
that even when I disagree with Jocko, I still kind of want to stand on his side because I remember when he was on Rogan's once during the defund the police debate and Rogan goes, what do you think of the defund the police debate? And Jocko goes, and you know, everyone's expecting this kind of more moderately conservative military guy to be like, fuck these little fucking hippies in the street. And Jocko like paused because he somehow doesn't say, um, because he's like a fucking machine. And he was like, he said something like, if there are that many people in the street that have like a grievance, I want to hear them. And I was just like, there it is. And that guy is so confident. You know why? Because he's seen some fucking shit because he's done fucking hard work. And so they want to, uh, they want to hook me up when I go to Austin with a lot of like their guys are down there, like Dakota and like people I've never met. And dude, do I want to hang out with these guys? Even if they fucking make fun of me because I'm more lefty than them. I'm like, I would rather, I felt this way when I was like doing like atheist fucking shows, like conferences or whatever, where I got so tired of atheists just judging religious people that I said, I would rather hang out with a bunch of fucking Christians that I disagree with who are going to help the poor than a bunch of atheists who maybe I agree with who are just going to make fun of religious people on Reddit. I'm like, I just want to be around people who want to fucking do shit. And if there if, if there are a bunch of liberals who agree with me and they're just going to fucking whine and they're just going to fucking lash out at people on Twitter or there are a bunch of conservatives that are like, hey, you want to go fucking learn how to shoot a bow or you want to learn how to you know do whatever. I'm going to go with those people because I want to build skills. I want the fact that if you change your mind nowadays, you get in trouble. You're called a, a fucking grifter on Twitter. Or when I thought changing your mind was a good thing. It's something we aspire to do, right? You want to yeah. evolve. You want I went on a podcast today and was like a political one. I was like, hey, last time I was on the podcast, I said this. I was fucking wrong. And here's why. I was insecure about this. Blank, blank, blank. That might make me look like a fucking cunt. Or what it should do is go like, oh, the guy's a little more fucking trustworthy. Because he can call himself out on his shit. Um, yeah, man. Those are the fucking people I want to be around. Like, period. I'll take I'll take another side of the fence. I don't even... That's why like, I don't talk about politics, really. is because I'll take a side of the fence just to argue a side of the fence, hoping I come up with a joke. All I want is comedy. Like that's that. all I, I like give that. a fuck about is comedy. The only thing I give a fuck about in this world, my family, first. Yep. Comedy. Yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah comedy. And, Dude, and that's that it. And I, I really... I will take any angle. I'll take any angle. I'll take any, like I, I just talked positive about Jocko. I'll take the opposite of talking positive about Jocko for a joke. I have a joke. I have a joke about my daughter. You know, my daughter has a hard time waking up. I haven't really figured this bit out. Yeah, totally. But she has a hard time waking up. And so I showed her a video of Jocko <laughs> explaining why he wakes up. He, she goes, he goes, I wake up at four 30 every morning. And my daughter just hits the space bar and hits pause. And she goes, is he being serious? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, he's a Navy seal. And she goes, he works at the zoo. I go, no, baby. He's a Navy seal. I go, they're, they're badasses. And I hit play and he's like, and then first thing you do, you go to the gym. And then after you go to the gym, that's one victory under your belt. You have, you've had one, one victory under your belt and then victories, you just start building them up. And then the more you have victories, the more you, the more you start. And then that day when you go into the break room and they have donuts out there and she has a pause again and she looks at me dead serious. And she goes, would you ever want to be friends with someone who would say no to a donut? And I went, oh, yeah, what the fuck are we watching this for? This is you. Like, like he's a good, yeah, he's a good, maybe he's the wrong guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, he yeah, can, I was like, I, I love donuts. He, he, can, he can protect us when we're too weak to get up because we've eaten yeah. too many donuts. 
Yeah. And I was like, and, and so, but like, I don't, I will argue any side of the fence. So I'm not, I don't, I don't really talk about politics. Cause like I saw the, I saw the, the people, the two ladies I like, I fucking like Jamil Jamil Hill. Oh yeah. Sure. 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 I like her. I've always liked her. I liked her because I felt like, but then I said, but then I saw her today asking, uh, asking Logan Paul, was it racist that he knocked out Nate? What's his name? Oh no. She goes, isn't that racist and what's going on in our society today? And oh, I started no. laughing so fucking hard. And I was <laughs> like, that woman, that is the dumbest question I've ever seen. I don't know. I was like, she has to be joking. There's no way she's being serious. There's you, no way you're going to ask. Know- a professional yeah, fighter. Yeah. If you're racist, no, if you this is this is this is now how I want the fight to happen. I want the fight. Paul goes out, uh, drops himself like a professional wrestler, then just gives the black power sign, and then everyone starts clapping. Like it's that's so, it was so fucking. And, I by the way, that's fucking patronizing to a black people. If what he threw. Okay, so here's where I am. Okay, and I I really want to go to the comedy thing because you're one of the people who is like really fucking saved me with comedy, which is, um, but w- with the politics thing, I truly believe, uh, this is going to sound self-righteous in a fucking different way, but it I is love self-righteous. Is. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, when I was screaming and fucking yelling at people on Twitter and thought I was being this political, by the way, I think about what, what you said that time so much. I think about that so much when I read Twitter, like you, you were so, I think that was the last podcast we did. You were so honest yeah. in how, or maybe you did, maybe you were on Rogan explaining it. It might've been I, you on Rogan's. So when I really it. broke it down, it was on Rogan's, but we might've gone over. But, but yeah, it was talking, probably like three years ago. You were saying that you'd put something out there and it was like, and it was like, how many likes did it get? How many retweets did it get? How much, how much action? And that was your, that was yeah. your currency. You're in self value almost. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I think about that so much when I see people like, saying things that they're like uh that that are just a little virtue signaling and you're like ah, no one really needs to know that or yeah. you're lighting that person up for like kind of odd reasons yeah <laughs> and then and then you're like and then you see them re- quote reply to themselves like reply to themselves i go oh that's what jamie was talking about yeah yeah and i still have to catch myself because there have been some things you know i hadn't been political in a while but like the george floyd thing was so terrible and it was weird because because I started making these like comedy videos on Instagram, I got essentially a brand new audience over quarantine. And it was a lot of like fighters, like a lot of jujitsu people were sharing it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like my lefty. So there was a lot of pushback again. And I was like, yeah. oh, fucking here we go again. So I really had to, you know, what's cool, man. What? This is what I'm really proud of myself about during all this, like reflecting and shit. So I had phases where, you know, when I stopped being like a screaming Twitter cancel culture guy that like right wing people and I was broke. I had nothing. It was just me and my cat. My cat had fucking fleas because I was living in like a fucking slum in L.A. And uh, I got like a book deal offer to do the, one of those like, you know, why I left the left books. And I fucking I didn't just think about it because of money, which I needed. I thought about it because I'm like, oh, these are people who are going to be nice to me. Like, that's how lonely I was, where I'm like, I felt like I lost so many of my comic friends. No one really thinks I'm like a real comic. Uh, And then they just think I'm like a tragic tale. And then I lost all these fucking liberal friends. So I'm like, dude, I disagree with you, but at least you're going to be fucking nice to me now. And I I did become a little more moderate on a lot of issues. But 
now that I've been like alone this year, I circle back. I pretty much believe all the things that I used to believe that are more liberal. But what's cool about it, except like I'm open to more conversations. I have conservative friends. I'm like more lax on like gun stuff. Like, you know, there's definitely stuff I've gotten moderate about. But for the most part, I'm still like a, you know, fucking bleeding heart. Let's take care of the poor. Let's fucking, you know, whatever. I think, I think that's, I, I think, think that's, I, that's a good way to live. I mean, not, not, I'm, I, I don't know my politics per se. I'm very moderate on everything, but I'm yeah. very like, I'm very firm in, in, I, I'm, I have cool paying taxes and I want, I need, just take care of people. Listen, I said to someone the other day, if, if, if I get to keep more of my money, I'm just going to buy more cool shit. But if you get to take my money and it helps people, then take my money and let it help people. Yep. I, I'm very, I'm very pro person. I want the per people to be, have a better life. And, but as far as like, I don't really give a shit about guns. Not to say that like, that's the same way I sound about transgender rights. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, not that I don't care, but I go, I want you to be happy. I want, like, yeah. if, if guns make you happy, then that's great. And if using guns in a bad way, I don't want you to use them. I don't know. I just don't really give much. It's the, it's the blessing of being, I guess, maybe, a, a wealthy white dude is that yeah. you don't you cannot care about shit but i think you're also kind of being a little too harsh on yourself because when i got to arizona you know when i was in my la bubble i could be like you know we gotta ban guns and i get to arizona and everyone has guns and i'm like i'm gonna keep that down like but i just <laughs> i started like i started asking people fucking questions if i met someone with a gun i'd be like hey what do you think we should do for like, well, what kind of restrictions do you? And they're like, oh yeah, I think we should do this and this and this. And like, when I get to Texas, I'm totally going to go shooting with either Tim Kennedy or like those guys and learn. I'm a fucking martial artist. I should, even if I never own a gun, I should learn how to fucking do it. And by the way, if I'm going to fucking bitch about guns, I should also know how to do it. How it's to shoot. fun. I, I've always had fun. I'm sure. Guns. And so I, what I was going to say, and this is why you shouldn't be that, you shouldn't be hard on yourself because I have, Ugh, become such a better person. And I, I don't know shit about what's going on right now. I don't know what country has COVID. I don't know. I think Joe Biden's the president, even though every day I see different shit. But like I for the this is the first year. I just didn't follow shit. I'm thinking about unfollowing all the political people on Twitter and just following like funny people or my friends or whatever. But I have done things for people, whether it's fans of mine, whether it's my older neighbor who I met after my fucking cat died, whether it's like the people across the street at Starbucks who like, we all know each other by name. I have just been a fucking kinder, better person. And the way you think about how am I treating people? How is this coming up? That to me is a political act of defiance. I think in 2020, it is so fucking easy just to scream talking points, like regurgitated talking points at each other. Yeah. But to actually get off your phone, be kind, have human interactions, actually thoughtfully think about, you know, because even though you're like, well, I don't really know where I stand. I'm guess I'm moderate on all these issues. But it's like, no, no, no. You've thought about the tax issue. You've thought about, hey, I'm going to buy more shit. That's more thoughtful than a lot of people who scream and yell about taxes all day. Like, that's yeah. what it comes down to, man, is just figuring out how do I be nice? How do I help people? How do I be true to myself? How do I, you know, that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, I th and I think a lot of that is a lot of those feelings have arrived on the fact that I, you know, this has been a very interesting uh, quarantine for me because I was alone with my family for, you know, whatever, six weeks before yeah. I started touring again. And then in touring, I, 
got to hang out. I got to experience people again. And I realized how much human interaction, human interaction meant to me. And then in a weird way, I got, I got a lot of people were very, you know, that worked with me or for me at the time were very grateful for the work. And so I realized how, how kind of, how we're all kind of sitting on this like seesaw of financial stability and when we get rocked, it really is scary to have it start sliding. And and yeah. so I, I guess I felt like a, a, a not to not definitely not to be too mopey about it or like sappy about it, but like I felt a connection to humanity of like, exactly. I'm like, oh, we all got to help each other out. Like if I do a show in Philly, I can now employ maybe a hundred dudes or a hundred hundred men and women or whatever. I just right. said dudes because there were a lot of dudes there. But yeah, because yeah. um, well, you don't allow women to work for you. I don't allow, and that I don't like women. But yeah. the uh. But I, but I was like, I was like, oh, that's a sense of community. Like, and then those guys were so grateful. They kept going, hey, Bert, thanks for the work. And you're like, oh, that means. And then you're like, oh, there's a connectivity here. Like there, there is a connectivity that when, when, and that I felt, and I, I probably overdid it this summer because I, I worked way too much, but like, yeah. I was like, oh, I, the more I work, the more we all can work. And then dude, I'll out mope you because this is even a little grosser because um, I'm, 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 I'm nowhere at that level. But I started making these videos on Instagram because I'm like, I, can't I just followed you on Instagram. I was on my phone. Yeah. So anyone that saw my eyes divert, oh, I just is, followed you on Instagram. That's very exciting. I've been waiting for this day. Uh, I, uh, that actually made me very happy. So you I've made making, one today, I'm guessing, in the exact same shirt you're wearing at yep, the. Uh, yep. That was today. Seven yeah. hours ago. Yeah. My, my AEW wrestling shirt for anyone. Uh, by the way, shout out to Cody Rhodes. Fuck yeah. Oh, that's right. I didn't even oh, do buddy. that on purpose. Dude, I'm uh I I just interviewed the Young Bucks who are like, I just saw the Young Bucks wrestle last night. Great, right? I just saw the Young Bucks wrestle last night. I fucking last night I was watching fucking AEW. Yes, I love this. Came back or whatever. Yep. And uh and I was I was just watching it for Cody and uh and I just watched the Young Bucks wrestle last night. That's so funny you say yeah. that. So the Young Bucks and Cody together kind of like went from these like they essentially formed like a rebel alliance not to take down wwe but for like competition and yeah. uh, and the young bucks were just these indie backyard kids who would get shit on by the mainstream uh oh they're just doing this kind of you know fancy shit or whatever and they just kept fucking doing it and doing it and they got this huge offer from the wwe and but instead they joined forces with fucking cody uh with this like billionaire dude tony khan they made aew and it's been like such an inspiration to fuck it. as a comic as someone who likes punk rock as like it's just anytime you can get just a bunch of scrappy fucking artists who want to like subvert the establishment it's like that's what aew is i, I think what they're doing over at aew is so cool it's so i think dope. by the way for, for i have to tell you i really consider i really consider cody like a legit friend i don't have a ton of friends that's awesome but, but i like he i hung out with him i hung out with him every day for a month he's, he's funny he's He's the sweetest fucking dude. He is the sweetest, most thoughtful, generous. Like, you know, there was a present from him in my trailer every day almost. Like whether or not Whoa. it was a, a jacket or, you know, my my nephew. I just, it's so funny. He gave me an action figure. He's going to die if he hears this. He gave me an action <laughs> figure of uh, of himself. Like yeah. just as like, you know, just to hold on to or whatever. And my nephew saw it and thought it was him and ripped it open and has been Paul and has Cody Rhodes at his house. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, you know what? I bet Cody's probably happier than a kid's playing with it. But Dude. like, he is the most generous, 
fucking I love I'm a ride or die for Cody Rhodes. I love Hell yeah. Dude. Fuck yeah. Everybody in AEW, I'm a ride or die for AEW. Everybody I've met there. Has Ethan Page been. is over there. Um, right? Who's that? Ethan Page. Yep. Oh uh, no, no, no. He's at Impact. Impact, um, right, right, right. Who's at Impact. Who is There's a guy named with? Adam Page, Cowboy oh, Adam. Oh, you know, you know who I'm thinking of is uh Colt Cabana. Colt's over there. I yeah, know I Colt. Colt. I Colt's love- fucking great too. I, the, all those guys, I just think it's so cool what they're doing. And I love it. I love the upstart. I love the XFL. Yeah. I love yeah. the, yep. I love the, Bert, you know, you know, I love that's that. why I'm going to fucking Texas. Right. Everyone thinks like, cause I, 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 I cringe when I say I'm going to Austin because everyone goes, Oh, you're going for Rogan. Right. Yeah. And comedy. Cause that's what you do when you're a 38 year old tiny man. And I'm like, nah, I'm going for professional wrestling. Like, that's the thing I've always wanted. I'm still going to do comedy. I'm still really? going to do no, podcasts. Wait, 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 wait. Tell me about this. Okay. So I haven't actually talked about it uh, on, I've talked about it on my podcast because I had the Bucks on and I had Diamond Dallas Page on. He was the first person I told. Love Diamond Dallas Page. So he started when he was 35. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, okay, when I finally say something, I'm going to say it on the, on the show. And so wrestling for me before it went in order, uh, wrestling, music, comedy. Uh, I wanted to wrestle first, did all the backyard wrestling. Dad had to take me to the hospital because I took a chair shot when I was like 16 and I had to get like 12 staples in the back of my head. Um, hitchhiked to meet Mick Foley. Actually, I was being catfished by a fake Mick Foley where this was on AOL Instant Messenger and we would always look up like, it was like we were trying to find girls and famous professional wrestlers. And this guy said he was Mick Foley. And I talked to him for like a month, dude where I was like, I want to train to be a wrestler. He gave me a wrestling name because I was like, well, I'm a martial artist. and I'm kind of smaller, but like I'll do hardcore stuff. And so he named me Hardcore Don Lee. So then Mick Foley puts out his book and is doing a book signing somewhere in Pennsylvania. And me and my brother, we like drove, but then we broke down. So we hitchhiked to this mall to meet Mick Foley. And I'm like, this is it. This is how I get into wrestling. I'm going to tell him his protege has arrived. And I wait in line. I'm so fucking nervous. I see Mick and I go, hey, uh, you can make it out to Hardcore Don Lee. And he goes, what? And I go, you gave me that name, Hardcore Don Lee. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I go, on, on America Online. And he just goes, oh, no, you have to stop talking to that person. <laughs> He's like, this is, that's not me. You, that is oh, very dangerous. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so I even went to like a wrestling school for a little bit. And then... You know, started doing comedy, comedy started, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Didn't watch wrestling again until AEW, when AEW started. Because I was like, this yeah. is cool. Because I was going to some indie shows. I knew who the Bucks were. I knew where Cody was. So, or who Cody was. So I watched this. And I started, there was a, there was a guy named Brian Kendrick in Los Angeles who he helped train Ronda Rousey and he was in the WWE. And I showed up. And so I was probably 36 when this happened. And I was like, maybe I'll just check it out. Just bucket list. I'll just train. Yeah. And for me, you'll relate that this has to do with our conversation before. When I'm doing jujitsu full time, I'm healthy. I'm confident. I'm waking up early. I'm meditating all the shit, but I'm not creative. So I get depressed. When I'm doing comedy, I'm unhealthy. I'm drinking, yeah. but I'm creative. Uh, but I still get depressed. I mean, when I, ugh, that's a different story. And uh, when I walked into this fucking wrestling school, I'm like, these are jacked, healthy, hot people, but they're dorks. They're theater dorks. 
And it's everything I've been looking for. It's literally when I'm like, how do I find that balance? It's that. It's it's that's how you be creative and funny and weird, especially AEW. They let the wrestlers do a lot of their own characters and promos and stuff. And um, so I was doing it for a little while. And then me and the girlfriend just moved to Arizona. And I was like, all right, well, cool, man. I got to do it. I got to jump off a turnbuckle. Shit, I never thought I would do. And then when the breakup happened and the fucking cat died, I was like, what's another thing I want to do? And I go, I want to start watching wrestling again. I started watching AEW again. And I just, I got fucking obsessed. And so I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I'm 38, even older than Diamond Dallas Page, but my body isn't break, broken down. Once I learned the fundamentals, I have 15 years of kickboxing and jujitsu and I have 15 years of standup. So like that shit's going to help. And Diamond Dallas Page said something, actually Mark Duplass said something about creativity. That this will be far more. I know that dude. What's he? Who's he? He was in. Uh, so he's like a big indie writer, director guy. But uh, he, I know Mark Duplass. But he, he, did, he was uh, in he with Ranazizi. Ranazizi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that dude. I think it's that either. He's got a brother, right? Yes. Yeah, so the Duplass brothers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that Jay. dude was on. Um, that guy was on. Uh, fucking. Um, the goddamn the comedy jam we did for comedy oh, central okay. yeah yeah he murdered it he's so talented he he's murdered so, it. he's so okay, fucking going, sorry so he said this beautiful thing about creativity and i'm going to butcher it but something about how you know when him and his brother <laughs> what, again, if you, what if you're like creativity is like fucking a pig in the ass <laughs> you only got to do it once to know if you like it <laughs> it's like an alligator in a speedboat what uh the he so he, again, subverted the industry, right? He has this great fucking talk you can YouTube called like the Calvary isn't coming. And it's all about the time agents tried to swoop him up and be like, hey, we're going to help you out. And they did nothing. And so him and his brother, you know, they were in Austin and they, they funded their own things and they got into films and they got into Sundance. And so in his book, it was either in his book or I think he was on Dax's podcast. He said, um, restrictions can breed creativity. And I love yeah. that. I and this, that. this is how I'm looking at it with, with wrestling, which is I could say, I said this to Diamond Dallas Page. I go, because he's th- he was 35 when he started, but he was also like six foot something. And where it's like, I'm 5'7", I'm 38, I'm afraid of heights. I don't know if I can do flippy stuff. But if I use those, if I, I, so I could use that to not do it. Yeah. But if I use it as a restriction, that means, well, what do I have to do? Since I can't do that, well, I could try to do it shitty or I have to do the things that other people aren't doing. So storytelling, uh, actual fighting, like things that I can bring to the table that aren't being done. So in a weird way, I can look at it as those restrictions are a reason I shouldn't go after my dream. Or I can look at it as those restrictions could actually make me into something that'll stand out because no one else is doing it because they're all young, hot people doing flippy stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cody is flippy stuff. A lot of flippy stuff last night. A lot, lot of flippy stuff last night. You should watch. You want to fucking lose it. Have, did you watch an AEW? It was one of the earlier AEWs. It was Cody and his brother fought. Uh, Dustin. Yes. Uh, and, gold, no, I keep wanting to say gold. He spot. was gold, he, gold. But he was he was gold dust. And gold now dust. he... And yeah, that's who he was in the WWE. And now he's just Dustin Rhodes. And they fought. And they had never... Maybe ever fought. 
or this is the first time they recently. And first of all, the crowd starts chanting for their dad, starts chanting for Dusty before the match even starts. Everyone's almost in tears. It is fucking bloody. It is storytelling. It is one of the coolest fucking wrestling matches I've ever seen in my fucking life. And that was the match where I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. So uh, my friend, I don't think she was, she wasn't on last week, but she's been going on AEW. Her name is Thunder Rosa. She's like the best fucking female wrestler going right now. Paints half her face. Uh, She started following me because I was making these videos on Instagram. And I was like, hey, I've always thought about being a wrestler. And she goes, come down to Texas and train for a week. She's like, just fucking train. We'll hang out. We made a couple comedy videos. We trained every day. And then uh, I went up to see some of my friends at On It, like Kyle Kingsbury uh, in Austin, which was just an hour away. Uh, I met his family. And then I was like, I think I should move here and try to be a wrestler. And then... I went and I looked at one apartment. I signed a lease. I came back to Tucson. I broke my lease. And then I'm moving. Like, this is it. And I'm just going to fucking train. And, yeah. and the comedy scene's great there. And the comedy scene's great. There. And the barbecue's yeah, so, great. Yes. And so I'm not like fucking myself, but I'll tell you, dude, when I was telling like my dad and my manager, my agents haven't called me back since quarantine. So let's just leave them out of this. Uh, my manager and my dad, I didn't say the, I said the wrestling thing is like, you know, it'd be cool. I'll be around a bunch of wrestlers, but I, but I, I did say, you know, Rogan's down there and the, 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 you know, Kyle and Aubrey's podcast. So it'll be good for my career. And I got really depressed and really anxious. And I had my first panic attack in a long time. And then I swear to God, I have this right here. A fan sent this to me. It's a fucking, there's your boy, there's Cody. It's an AEW poster from their last event. And it says, don't chase dreams, hunt goals. And like, I got that the day I was having a panic attack. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not a fucking atheist anymore. And <laughs> when I declared that I'm going for wrestling and I told my, my dad that and my manager, and I didn't say, you know, Rogan's going to be there and blah, blah, blah. Cause like, I don't talk to Rogan. Like I haven't talked to him in a, in a while. He, he's always been very nice. Um, but when I was like, I want to be a wrestler, and this is what I'm going to try. And like, yeah, that other stuff's there, which is great because I know I'm a good comic now that I did this fucking album. I know that the podcast is good, but I really want to like go all in and try to be a fucking wrestler. Once I said that, dude, even though it's the dumber, crazier thing, my anxiety just went away because I'm like, I'm doing the thing I actually want. I'm being honest with myself is what it is. That's fucking awesome, man. I can't wait to I can't wait to track your journey on Instagram now that I follow you. I just started posting some like fucking uh, 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 clips of because here I don't have a wrestling ring. So I've been fucking around with an, a wrestler friend of mine um, in a boxing ring, which fucking hurts. And yeah. but it's it's all I've been thinking about. I'm like watching old matches. I'm like studying it. And again, dude, worst comes to worst. I feel like if you are following the thing you love and you're just I just want to be around good people. And I love being around yeah. wrestlers. I mean, the, the fucking comedy video I made with Thunder Rosa, this wrestler, is fucking funnier. It's so funny that I'm like, even if I just make fucking sketches with them or if I write on a wrestling, you know, if I write for AEW one day or something like that, that's cool. But I'm like, I want to fucking go at it and train and see because I think I'm going to get good. <laughs> uh, awesome, man. Yeah, dude. So, uh, yeah, that's the first time. Uh, that's the first time I've talked about that. Well, I gotta, I gotta hook up with Cody. I get, I'll get your info over to him. Oh my god, I'll die. I'm like, well, such- I guarantee you, someone hits him up and says, "Yo, they talk about AEW for the last 
30, 23 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, 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 that is very true. Uh, yeah, dude, that's fucking awesome. I mean, I got to get Cody on the podcast. I haven't gotten Cody on the podcast. He is a busy fucking man. A Speaking of cigars, guy. he's a big cigar guy. Yeah, he's a big Star Wars guy, too. Uh, yeah, when you were talking about wrestlers are all just nerds, I was like, uh, that is Cody in a nutshell. But isn't that Cody, great? Because you see we were Cody working with Rosario Dawson at the time. Yeah, the Rosario's. I don't know if I can say it or not. I, oh, I, yeah. You know, what she's doing right involved now? in something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't even know what I can say. I remember you couldn't even like say it to her because she was like, well, everything. But Cody is a big Star Wars fan. And he was like, you have no idea how big this is. This is like dot, 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 dot. And I was like, I was like, I'm. I go. I saw her in kids. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. even know. I didn't even know her boyfriend was a, a senator or governor or whatever. Oh, that's right, Cory Booker. Cory Booker. I told I him. Always, I, said, I met him, and I was like, "It's really nice to meet you, man." And I was like, "So you're in politics?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "So you, what do you want to be like president one day?" And he goes, "I I ran for president." And I was like, "When?" Was, <laughs> I ran for president. And I was like, "Oh, did." And I was like, did you win? And he started laughing. <laughs> so funny. And then I was like, so did you funny. want it? Did you want to be president? And he was like, I wouldn't have run for it if I didn't want it. And he goes, well, you really don't know anything about politics. Do you? <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Yeah. I know more about Snoop and DMX's verses than I do about Cory Booker's career. I mean, dude, yeah, but he's not- a very sweet guy. I don't mean to talk shit. He's no, a very, very, very sweet guy. I liked him a lot. I, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that you fucking said that. I love that Cody. What I like about wrestlers, too, is like you look at Cody and he's just like a fucking well-dressed, good-looking, cool dude. But then, yeah, you hear him nerd out about Star Wars and you're like, oh, and that so, and that's what I was thinking about with comedy, too, is like the reason that you always get me back into comedy. And actually, I did Bobby Kelly's podcast for the first time and I was fucking nervous. What was this? Uh, well, I don't even know if it's gone up yet because I did it like yesterday. OK, yeah, that'll be a fun one to listen to. Yeah, it, it was me, Bobby and Voss. And. I was fucking, they've been nothing but sweet to me. Yeah. And I was super nervous because I'm not the guy who's good at sitting around the table and busting like, balls like fuck your mom. Guys. Yeah. Fuck your, so, fuck your mom. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't know how bad you are at it. I don't it's know not, what to do. Not that direct, Jamie. I fucked your mom. <laughs> fuck your mom. Fuck your mom, fucking cuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it was wonderful. And so what I did, because I was so nervous about like being like that. I asked them questions about like starting comedy because I love hearing you. I love hearing them talk about when they started in New York, especially because I was a couple generations after you at the Boston. Oh, yeah. And um, what I fucking love, man, and this, it's the same. Cody's another example. You know, uh, I, I think I told you, but like Robin was the person who helped me the most in comedy. There are some people that when they just get so good, and these are the kind of people I want to be around. And they exist in comedy and they exist in wrestling, but there's a lot of people who aren't like this which is I just love being around people who are just like unapologetic fanboys and they're not miserable being there. And they just like, though, like what I love about you is hearing you laugh at other comics instead of arms folded back of the fucking room. What I love about some of these great wrestlers, like, so Cody, this is kind of like a a nerdy wrestling thing. But one of the things that Cody's been doing is it's his fucking company, man. He could, he's part, he's part owner. He could, just be running people over, giving himself all the bat, the belts, putting himself fucking over. And he's starting these feuds with these younger guys and they're beating them because that's how you make a fucking star. He doesn't fucking care because he has that confidence. You know, Robin getting me managers and agents talking me up in fucking magazines and shit. He, 
had no fear, no ego. He's fucking Robin, right? Like you and Bobby hearing you guys like talk people up or just laugh about comedy. That's what I just wasn't around it in comedy. I was around kind of, kind of like all the people just trying to like claw each other's eyes out to get there. And it just wasn't fucking fun. But like when I talked to you and so it was easy for me to be like, fuck comedy because I failed. So I, I wanted to go fuck comedy. But yeah, when I talked to you or when I talked to Bobby and Voss, I was like, oh, comedy's good though. Like I love comedy. I love when you can just oh, everything in the talk world. about it. There's yeah. nothing better than comedy. There's nothing better than sitting with a bunch of comics and uh and and figuring and seeing a bit show up at the table and you start laughing at the bit and then working the bit as a group and fucking dying laughing. I yeah. fucking love that more than anything. Yeah, man. There's I don't think the average person will never I think the average person can wrap their head around what that must feel like, but to be around the funniest human beings in the world, meaning legit the funniest human beings and to hear their take on something like that. It's the my favorite thing in the world. I Dude, love it more than anything. The fucking so I guess on Bobby's I hope I can say this. It's complimenting them. But on Bobby's Patreon episode, for you know what, dude, uh, they shout out the Patreon patrons and like they say something special. And fucking, I don't know if I've ever laughed harder in my life where there's a $10 patron and they're like, all right, we do something special. And he goes, Voss, what do you want to do? And they were like, let's just read him the serenity prayer. And they just recited earnestly the fucking AA serenity prayer. Oh. And I'm crying laughing. And, and I had that moment because you always say this where I was just like, Dude, I get to talk to the literally the funniest fucking people. Funniest. I mean, I've sat in the hospital for uh, probably, you know, 10 hours with maybe I spent the better part of 24 hours with the guy who broke his arm and his leg. Yeah. Who is the funniest human being I know. Yeah. And and it was the lowest, I would say one of the top five lowest parts of his life. Yeah. (laughs) He had me howling, laughing. It's just it's just the littlest, the smallest things that he'd do. I mean, it was, he is, he was so fucking fun. Tom and Mulaney have that like weird, almost autistic word placement skill where I only met Tom once and he just went, Hey man, you're like low key yoked. Right. And I was like, what a fucking weird, hilarious word combination. Low key. Like that's just don't think with Mulaney. When I went to Montreal, no, nothing came out of it because my manager only repped me and Mulaney. So he was just like, bye, Jamie. And was just going to like meetings as John was becoming the most famous person in the world. And uh, I had a couple meals with John and my manager. And John just like speaks in perfect jokes to the point where you're not even really laughing because you're just like, the fuck was that? He like pauses. Perfect joke. And then you're like, yeah, man. Okay. That was good. Yep. Like, I don't know what John is. I don't know. Uber fucking talented. Yeah. But with um, what you were saying with Tom in the lowest moment, I think that's really interesting because I, whenever I get interviewed and people were like, by like non-comedy places, and they're like, were you the class clown? I was like, nope, the class clown beat the fuck out of me. Uh, and I became a comic because I was sad. Where my first memories of comedy, you know, I remember like putting my boombox up to the TV and like taping like old Jon Stewart specials and shit. But my first memory of like, that kind of laughter that you're describing is when like my mom would be taken away by like the fucking ambulance or something terrible would happen. And me and my brothers would all go up to my room and would be panicked or crying or mad or whatever. And then whoever made that fucking first joke 
and it was always offensive because yeah. it was a terrible situation we were in. Uh, and then we would all start laughing so hard and so like cathartically that once that ice was broke, we were like, all right, how do we figure out this fucking mom situation now or whatever? And like it, it, it came from that sort of defense, like it's the comedy comes from pain fucking cliche. Was your mom an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's sober now. But yeah, yeah it, it was. Uh, How many brothers? Uh, I'm one of five. I'm the oldest of five. Oh, for real? Yeah. So I'm the oldest yet the fuck up, which is weird because usually the fuck up should be like the the weird middle kid. Um, but my weird middle kid went to fucking Yale, so I'm the problem. <laughs> Interesting. How old was your mom when she got sober? Uh, recently, <laughs> like <a couple laughs> <years ago. laughs> uh, she's ten days with you, Bert. She's on the same. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is a great podcast, Jamie. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Buddy, I appreciate it so much. I was so excited. And also, like, I'm glad it happened when it did, because I know we were thinking about doing it in April and I felt bad texting you and you were so. No, 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 no. Never feel bad. Never feel. You actually are a a lesson in my a, a life lesson to me because you you texted me. You texted me. And you never got emotions about it, about like the oh. fact that things would change. You and I and I actually learned something. And I've said a lot of people don't have ill will towards you, meaning to anyone. Yeah. A lot of times, sometimes they're just busy as fuck. Like like I would get uh, I get feelings if I texted say, you know, I mean, uh, like if I text someone and they don't reply or they don't call me back or whatever, I'd get feelings about it. And I was like. Especially business stuff, you know. If like I text Joe Coy a couple times and, and I and I'm now on my fourth text and he hasn't replied, I don't want to bother him. So I just yeah. and I realize you're not bothering anybody. They're just going, oh fuck, that's right, we got to do a yeah. podcast. Joe like, by the Joe Coy by the way will like be silent and then suddenly you're just bombarded and talking and yeah, it's just that. I mean, but and 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 I do that too, man. Like I didn't want to do it and it was probably a very clumsily worded thing but i emailed rogan about when the album came out and you know if i don't hear from him instead of being like hey he's like the most famous person on the planet there's always part of me that's like i tweeted something stupid he fucking hates me no, no back no, to like my no. old pa- but, Joe, but, you, first all, but first of all joe's not on the internet he's not on he's not watching he's not on twitter he's not on he's not doing any of that shit instagram not sure. and, and secondly he is the most busy person in the on the planet and totally. and you just got it and and I I I did that I man trust me when I say like I hit him up when my special came out I was like hey man I'd love to do the podcast and uh and and promote my special and I I think he he didn't reply right away and then I was like I was like hey don't get feelings about that cuz I was like that's yeah. he's he's got a Imagine how many texts, knowing how many texts you imagine. get, imagine how many he gets a day. Yeah. That's why he changes his phone number every six months. Yeah. So he's like, I can't fucking, I no, can't. I, I, I wouldn't be able to fucking handle it. Well, dude, when I, when I fucking got new faces, not even a big thing, just, it was only big in comedy. Suddenly all these motherfuckers start, who were mean to me, started writing me. How do you get on new faces? Who's the, can you fucking put me in touch with Robbie or whatever? And I'm yeah. like, oh God. So imagine getting to that level where. But what, what I was yeah, but that, that lesson that I took for, oh, from from our interactions was you never got pissy like I and mean, some guys get pissy if you don't reply like right back or oh, if things not, change and you can't and you're like and like for me it was just like I wanted to do it in person and I and, and I knew that we were gonna we had that opportunity and I was waiting for the time for that COVID to let down I did, didn't want to do it on Zoom I'm tired of doing Zoom podcasts we're trying to do them in person but yeah. just things are so complicated and then I was finally I was like fuck it let's just do a Zoom and get it out of the way 
So because yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm dodging him. And then but it's also one of those things where like and I know you got to go. But the two things that uh, I take from that is one, this is just a life lesson in general that I've had to keep reminding myself where it's like how someone else feels about me is none of my fucking business because a lot of times it's just their shit. Well, uh, I had Pete Holmes on my podcast and he was quoting fucking someone where he was like, we don't even see, like, I don't see you the same way. Like Halston, I see my projection of you as you Halston sees a different version of you. We're all projecting our own bullshit onto each other. Right. So like, it's just our stories. Right. So like, if Joe doesn't text you back, you have a different story than I have where it's like, mine's like very political. Yours might be very, whatever it is. And, I'm just, I'm just hyper aware of how busy he is. Cause yeah. I, I text with him a lot. And I understand that like we have a group text and I understand he may not, there are times where he's on his phone and then there's times where he's just not. Totally. But what I was going to say is just in general, whether it's exes, whether it's strangers on Twitter, just being like, hey, man, I'm just going to do the best I can. And like how people feel about me, none of my fucking business. But what I was also going to say, part of like spiritual new mushroom, Jamie, has really this everything happens for a reason. Like I wouldn't be wrestling if and like literally living my dream. If, you know, I remember you said this to me on the last podcast. You're like, you're, you don't want to hear it right now. And by the way, it still sucks, but you're like, I envy where you're at right now. It's a, it's a new place. Uh, you get to start fresh, you know, and people don't get to do that. And that's how I feel now where I'm like, oh, I get to fucking wrestle. And with the podcast, dude, in April, I didn't think I would have a standup album. I wrote this fucking entire album and did it in one show in one fucking take all over quarantine. Cause suddenly I was writing about personal shit and loneliness and COVID and all this stuff that I'm like, this kind of only makes sense this year. Like I want to get it out this year. And so my fucking album came out last week and like, I didn't have anything to promote, dude. I just wanted to come on your podcast in April, but like, this is much better. I get to fucking oh my goddamn album, which is like, you know, I want that shit to do well. I'm like, I, I never thought I would do an album again. So the fact Tell that everyone where they can find it. Yeah. So it's called 25% capacity. Um, it's the first time I wrote without a fucking like agenda. And I was just like, be funny, just be funny. And so it's the first time, dude, when I like thought I was fucking going to be the next Bill Hicks, I like never wrote about personal stuff. Cause I'm like, I have yeah. to hit every issue. I have a war thing and I have a gay rights thing and I have a, this thing. And now the edgiest thing I've ever done to me is like talking about dating. So like I have like sex stuff, loneliness stuff, COVID stuff, dating stuff. There's like some political shit, but it's easily the funniest album I've ever made. So you can get it everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon title, uh, 25% capacity, Jamie Kilstein. The links are also on my bio, Instagram at the Jamie Kilstein, Twitter, Jamie Kilstein. And then my podcast uh, where I was talking about like the Bucks and Diamond Dallas page. And uh, it's a, a, a fuck up's guide to self-help, which is pretty self-explanatory what that is about. Congratulations, brother. It's thank you, man. To you. And thank you for being like one of the first people who you hugged me when I left your house and you literally, and I need this, you said you're a comic. Uh, and that's probably one of the only reasons, one of the things where I kept going and didn't quit and made the record. So thank you for that. Dude, I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out tonight. I'll get, uh, I got to get back on the treadmill. So I might as well listen to some comedy and get on. Fuck the yeah. Yeah. Kill it, dude. Let me know. What you, I'd be curious. What'd you think? Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'll talk to you later, brother. T stay safe. Enjoy Austin. Stay Tell everyone touch. I said hello down there. I will. I'll uh, only be wrestling. I will probably see no comedians. But if I do, <laughs> <laughs> if I do, I will, I'll send your love. Well, I love you a lot, man. And keep doing everything you're doing. I'm proud of you too. If you, if you ever need to vent about food shit, exercise shit, like hit me up. 
Done deal, brother. Thank you, brother. All right, man. See ya. Much love. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.